to the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Terea Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Tackett. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple podcast, share with your friends and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Before we dive into the interview with Rachel Franklin today, I wanted to take just a few minutes and share with you why this episode is so important to me. And really, it's because Rachel and I worked together as client and practitioner seven years ago, and that's when we discovered hidden mold in her home that was drastically affecting her health. And at the time, it was one of the first times that I came across mold as a practitioner and saw the destructive effects that it can have. And what was really beautiful about that shared experience that we went through is not only did Rachel redesign her life and find a path forward to allow her to heal and change her career, but it allowed me to completely reshape my practice. In fact, I redesigned my approach to functional medicine and my approach to coaching as a result of our work together seven years ago. Because you see, the reason why I call this episode Blind Corners is that there are often unseen things that can hold us back from our healing, like hidden mold, hidden toxicities that we don't see, hidden pathogens that we don't see. And in fact, I have put together a lot of my practice around specializing in just those things. And so I wanted to let you know that I'm doing a special free training coming up in the next couple of weeks on April 18th. And I wanted to invite each of you to join in on that. So you'll find the registration page in the show notes, but let's not delay this any further. Let's get right to the interview. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited today because we have our second guest of the season joining us today. Her name is Rachel Franklin. And as much as Evie and I talk about the outdoors and things that we want to do to optimize our wellness, what's really unique about Rachel's story and what you're going to discover about her is that there are sometimes these what I call blind corners that happen in our healing journey, so to speak, things that are happening in our environment or even within our bodies that we can't see very easily, but can have a major, major effect. And so we're going to dig into some of those things today. But Rachel, why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up taking this interesting twist in your journey? Yeah. So about seven years ago, I had this recurring nightmare that my house was alive and trying to kill me. And I thought, this is really strange, but it ended up turning out to be true because actually you, I was working with you at the time and I wasn't, I was just stuck, right? stuck in my healing. And 
you said kind of the magic words, right? It was, I think we should test your home for mold. I think it's time. And that changed everything. Turns out we did the ERMI test and the home that I was living in at the time was extremely moldy. And I didn't know anything because I think in the wellness world, especially in the functional wellness world uh, in particular, nobody really was talking about mold and how detrimental it is to our health, what it means if you find mold, what are the next steps, how do you heal from that if you have symptoms. So I kind of was tossed out into the wilderness, right? I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know what to do next. So, you know, you ask yourself, well, what happens when your worst nightmares like turn true, you know? So we kind of got on the process of figuring out what we were doing, right? We were just kind of taking it day by day and step by step. So we tested our home for mold. It came back moldy and we decided, right, we're walking away. We need to go find a home that's safe. But how do I do that? So that was a really, really big question. So I, I did what I only knew how to do, which was test the home via an ERMI test and, you know, say, okay, that's got a thumbs up. We're going to move in. We did all the other things we thought we were supposed to do, home inspections. We didn't see anything alarming. It was a brand new build. But then come about one and a half years later, the crawl space, the sealed crawl space failed. And we were back there again. And I was extremely frustrated. I didn't know what to do. So I really realized at that point that I knew how to get out of unsafe homes, but I didn't know what to look for in safe homes. And then there was the health aspect of it. And that took a lot longer to work through that than I ever imagined possible. So um, even now, today, after the second re-exposure, I'm still working through gaining health. What does that look like? What methods to use? So it's, it's an interesting process and it's a long process. So that's a little bit about my background and, and a little bit about unseen health challenges and dangers of mold in your home and how hard it can be to find out. Absolutely. One of the things that I think is so inspiring about your story, though, is even though you've been through these several exposures with two different buildings that you've lived in and you've suffered through the health consequences of that, is that you took that situation that some people could interpret as being a rock bottom or my life is destroyed or I'm never going to get better. And you decided, no, actually, I'm starting to learn so much that I can make a career out of it. So can you tell us a little bit about how that pivot came about? Right. So like I said, I was kind of thrown out into the wilderness and unknown territory. I had no idea what I was doing. And I knew I needed to learn so much in order to gain back my health and gain back the power and independence of my indoor environment. So I embarked on a lot of research. I ended up working with multiple mold experts throughout the process of both of these homes failing. I then decided, okay, so I've worked with the experts. My whole scope has opened up into this new territory. I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm so passionate about all of the ways that we can help our indoor environment heal. We have to think about our own bodies. We have to trust our own bodies and we know our own bodies best. But I want to take that one step further 
and say that we know our indoor environments best. We are the ones most impacted by where we live. Um, so I then decided to take a course from an architect of 30 years of how to build a mold safe home. And then I started asking questions, well, okay, beyond building a mold safe home, what are all the other areas that make your home safe? And that's how I found building biology. Awesome. So you're currently in the process of going through some kind of accreditation or schooling for becoming a building biologist, right? I am. I am getting accredited through the Building Biology Institute from where it was founded originally. That's really exciting for me because you and I started this journey together, discovering that first home was full of mold and that kind of expanded into you learning all these other things. I'm excited mostly because not a lot of people understand or even know that building biologists exist and they're such an important resource. And up until even the last couple of years, there's been only a handful of people doing this work. So the more people doing this work, the better. And so I'm so excited to be able to support you along this way because like you said, I loved what you said actually, is not only do we need to be, and I'm paraphrasing here, but not only do we need to know our bodies, right? But that we also know our homes best and we need to understand what's going on in that environment. And I have to say, since since then, since you and I discovered that issue in your home, that's been one of those things that I absolutely check now with every single client. And I found it more common than not. So it's it's been quite an eye-opening in my world too, in terms of trying to help people with these blind corners. Like we couldn't figure out what was happening for you. And then it's like, oh, there's mold in the home. Let's see what that's going to do. So Tell me if you wouldn't mind, you know, what were some of the biological symptoms or things that you experienced? Most importantly, what I'd love to hear is about your second home, because you had already been through it in the first home and we were dealing with some of those things, but you had gotten into this new construction home. What were your own personal like warning signs that mold might be at play again? So um, one of the big issues was how I felt my intuition. That's the biggest thing that I would recommend to people when they are feeling stuck. If they have a sense, if they have a feeling, if they smell something, any sort of nagging feeling or thought at the back of your mind, don't push that away. Intuition is essential, I find, in these sort of circumstances. Um, so that's my first thing that I would say. And the second thing that I would say is I noticed the smell and I just knew. I said, okay, I'm feeling worse. All of a sudden something has changed. What is that? And so I started smelling the smell from the air vents. And so I just, I knew the home has mold. And so immediately we went down to the crawl space, which was supposed to be sealed to building standards, right? It was to code, but I opened the door and it bowled me over. You know, it was was an intense, musty smell. But I want to note a really important thing that you don't have to see it or smell it for it to be there. Mold can be utterly invisible. So there's not necessarily going to be something that you can see 
or smell. So therefore I go back to the intuition. Intuition is essential, but that is something in particular that happened in that second home. And we went through remediation and found out that the barrier on the crawl space ground was a double barrier, which was to code. But what had happened was they didn't clean the materials and the debris as they were building. They didn't clean. It was dirty. So it was not fully sealed. There was gaps um, between those two barriers with um, discarded building materials. And that caused mold to grow. So you wouldn't have thought, okay, well, this was to code. They did the double barrier. And if there is anything in between the barrier, why would it matter in the first place? Because it's supposed to be sealed. But because we're dealing with microscopic elements, right? We're dealing with microbiology and mold is complicated. And there are mold gases. There are mycotoxins. There are all these elements to mold that come into play. When you're considering mold and how it might be affecting your home, and your health. So it really did matter. It mattered a great deal. We did an ERMI on our crawl space and it came back astronomically high with a score of over 34, which is just uninhabitable. And of course, we're not living in our crawl space, but all that air from the crawl space was making our way through our home because there are ducts down in the crawl space and the ducts weren't sealed properly. And I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, but just to give a little synopsis, a good idea of all that's involved with mold in your environment and how it affects your health. So that's what happened there. And there were a few other problem areas that were on the interior of the home as well. But that was the big one. And it infiltrated our whole entire home. Well, I love what you said about the intuition, because you told us the story in the very beginning that you were having dreams about your house trying to kill you, right? So, huh, that is one way of our subconscious trying to give us information, just like intuition is one of those ways. I'm curious, you know, what are some of the emotional or mental or mindset challenges that you faced throughout this journey, especially in the second home? Because I know you and I have talked about this behind the scenes, but with the second home, what were some of those mindset challenges that you faced in your experience? Yeah, I felt extremely isolated and misunderstood because we had to go through this again, but also go through it different because we had to do it differently. What we had done before wasn't working. So it was reassessing, you know, what did we do the first time that we need to pivot um, in a different direction? And what don't we know? What are the gaps? that are keeping us back from truly finding a healthy home. So it was a very isolating process in the sense that nobody really understands how severe living in mold can be. And especially for 25% of the population, they have a hard time detoxing the mold out of their bodies. So that's another factor that comes into play. Again, bio-individuality, that's a really important perspective to have. What bothers me might not bother the next person and vice versa. It was a struggle. People didn't understand, okay, well, but you just moved in here. Um, you just, and it's brand new. We don't see a problem. It looks great. It's beautiful. But mold can look like a 1980s home that's been 
been inhabited for four years and also a brand new custom home. Mold doesn't discriminate. It was a hard process with the people around me, even my own family. But you just moved in here. Oh my goodness, you're going to get rid of all your possessions again. You're just going to walk away. And mold is still very much misunderstood. So it's it's a difficult process to walk through. And you have to just trust yourself and trust the process. That's great because I was just going to ask you, you know, what did you use? What did you rely on to get yourself through that situation that was so isolating and feeling misunderstood? You know, were you using, I don't know, affirmations or, you know, what kinds of things were you doing to support you and your family while you're going through this experience for a second time around? Yeah, I think I, I know it's not a very traditional response, but I used the power of information first to really propel us forward and support us best. I love the idea that we are resilient and we can change our minds in the face of new information. And I think that's a really beautiful and empowering thing. So that's what I did first. That's what grounded me the most. And then secondly, I did do a lot of mindset work. So I did the positive affirmations. I even now still do the mindset work because it's an ongoing process. And I'm always finding new ways of how to up-level that particular method. So I continue to do that. So this is all really interesting for me as well because... You know, I was talking to you a little bit before we're recording, and this is all fairly new to me. I mean, I know quite a few things from Terea about mold, and I have some friends that I know have had mold issues, but I never really heard of a building biologist in the regards of mold. So can you explain what that is for other people who might not know what that is as well? Sure. Building biology assesses the health of a home from a holistic perspective. So it is taking in all of the factors that make up home health and weighing them to the individual because, you know, home health is complex, but it doesn't have to be a process that people have to go through alone. It doesn't have to be hard for everyone. So building biology uses science and systems to create a synergistic relationship between people, nature, and buildings. So that's kind of the official perspective there. Yeah. And when would someone seek out using a building biologist? Like at what point is it when they know they have mold or is this someone that they reach out to when they're building a home or maybe renovating? Like at what point would you bring in this council? Yeah. From my perspective, I would hire a building biologist before you buy, build, or rent. I think that's the best time, right? Before you have a problem. But there's no wrong time to hire a building biologist either. Because building biology is actually a very hopeful profession. Every small change adds up to a big difference. And that is such a relief because this can be such a hard and overwhelming and lonely process. So there's a lot of hope. Yeah. And is this different than like, I know, like I'm thinking when we bought our home, we had a home inspection. Is that person different than a building biologist or is that in the same realm? of who you'd bring in for something like that. Yeah, building biologists are definitely coming from a unique perspective. They're not the same as a home inspector. A home inspector has their own set of um, circumstances and a list to check off. And that more has to do from the traditional elements of 
you know, is this home missing a gutter? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's the way that I explain it is that an inspector is looking at things that are according to city, state, or municipal code and just checking off the boxes for code. So like what Rachel mentioned before is that liner in her crawl space, that was to code, right? So it passed that check mark, yet there were still issues with it. Exactly. You got it. So how how can you find a building biologist in your area? Is there like a national like website or how do you find someone? There is a database on buildingbiologyinstitute.org. You can go and search for building biologists in your area. And they actually break it out into the three accreditations of building biologists as well. If you're looking for a particular area that you're looking for to, to assess your home, like there is a EMF consultant, there is an environmental consultant, and there are new build consultants. I'm getting double certified in environmental consultation and new build consultation. Um, but yes, you can go to their website and you can find a professional in your area. In America, it's very new and there aren't a lot of us out there yet, but we're working on that. Excellent. And so what I'm curious about now, you know, in terms of your going through this accreditation process, you mentioned that it was a hopeful career, right? So tell us a little bit more about that. Are you building more and more confidence about this pivot that you've made and turning your your experience, right? You've turned your health experience into a career and I guess one of the reasons why this fascinates me so much is that almost every practitioner that I talk to as a colleague, we've all come here because of our own health crashes and concerns and events too, right? So it's almost the same thing, except for instead of becoming a biology practitioner, you went a different direction with the building. So tell us a little bit more about that hopefulness and the confidence that you're building out of this progress process that you're going through. Exactly. You're right. I really had this relentless pursuit when I had the mold happen in the home and both of the homes simultaneously one after another, which I just laugh because it's just, you know, truth is stranger than fiction a lot of the times. So it's just, I can laugh about it now just because it's a little bit unbelievable. But also once you know more, it's really not surprising at all. You know, more than one in every two homes, you know, are, are likely to have mold just with the current building practices the way they are. So I had this relentless pursuit to really do something meaningful with everything that had happened. So I just, I kept searching, right? And it was a long process. This building biology has just kind of come on the scene and is just really um, starting to get talked about in the functional wellness community. So it felt like it, I just kind of happened across it, but I know that's not true, right? Because I was doing all of this work behind the scenes. And I kept kind of following my pain from point to point until it led somewhere meaningful. And you just, you don't give up. You keep going. Yeah. Well said. And I'm also curious about something else that you said a few minutes ago, where you were describing building biology as this intersection between nature and biology and the structure. Say a little bit more about that intersection and why is the nature piece so important? Right. So in building biology, nature is the gold standard. You know, we have to really get a good idea and a good perspective and understanding about our homes and how they are in the world, right? We build a home on a piece of land. It's outdoors, 
but it's also indoors. <laughs> so it's this kind of tricky um, relationship, but also it has so much potential because, you know, right outside your window is the standard. So it's really paying attention to how nature operates and mimicking that in our built environments. So it, it has everything to do from understanding your microclimate to understanding what natural and healthy materials are, and also understanding that all natural materials won't be appropriate for your home and your environment. And also you have to throw in the mold perspective. You know, one natural material that might be recommended by building biology might not be the best selection for people who have severe reactions to mold. So there are a lot of components that go into it. And so therefore, a lot of hope that goes into the situation because if one thing doesn't work, another will. It's really cool to see that we're headed down this path of starting to be, I guess for a way to say it that sounds like I'm a total hippie, be at one with the environment, right? Like we're really starting to learn that the building materials we choose, the building methodologies that we choose may have a positive impact both on the people who live inside of that structure as well as the environment and vice versa and how interrelated they are. I know you and I were talking offline about a particular structure and what is the climate around that structure? Is it high desert or is it right next to the ocean? Because those two different climates are going to make a major difference in the types of choices that you make in terms of the structure that somebody's going to be living in. Exactly. And just to mention a little bit about that, I'm getting personal firsthand experience on this process. We are building a a healthy home. So, you know, I'm going to be able to use that experience, use my personal experience with mold illness and living in sick buildings and also going through the actual process of building a healthy home and what goes into it, what that takes and learning every single way you can do it. That's amazing. And did you choose to stay in the same location where you live now, or did you choose a completely different place to do this? So we are choosing to stay in the same location. You know, when you have more information, your perspective changes. So I have less fear that one environment over over another is impossible to have a healthy home. So you can have a healthy home anywhere if you have the right knowledge. Yeah, that's amazing. And right now, do you feel like having a healthy home, is that something only for certain economic classes of people? Or are there ways that you can do things within all sorts of different economic ranges so that you can make your home more healthy? What's your feeling on that? Because I know sometimes this new stuff tends to be only for people who can quote unquote afford it. It's a really great point and something I think about a lot. And it's something I've heard from all the building biologists that I've talked to that we are all aware of and really passionate about changing in the future. That's why building biologists are trying to get the word out there. And we're trying to grow this profession by word of mouth and changing the way people look at homes and interact with their homes. So you brought up a really good point about the economic factor of of building biology. And is it accessible to everyone? So the main issue that currently right now is that it's not necessarily accessible to everyone if you're coming from the perspective 
of building a custom healthy home. Obviously, with times the way they are, we all know that the cost of homes and the materials to build them is astronomically high. But there is something that everyone can do in their environments. Like I said, there are really small, simple things you can do every day to change your home for the better as it is. And also you can get into every single detail on a micro level in building your own home. So for example, something that someone could do living in the home they're in now that could truly improve their home environment is opening up their windows every day. Especially if you have a lot of synthetic materials, which I think a lot of, a lot of homes do these days, that helps with static electricity in your air that brings in beneficial negative ions and obviously the fresh air component. So that's a really easy thing you can do right now to change your home environment or keeping your home free of dust as much as possible. Things like that are very helpful and can make a big impact overall. That's amazing. Thank you so much for those because you're right. Yeah, Unless your windows are painted shut, which maybe they shouldn't be, you know, opening up windows and making sure that dust isn't collecting are two things that people don't really talk about in the world of health and wellness, right? It's like, oh, leave that to cleaning house or organization or whatever. But those two things can really move the needle, like you were saying, and they're free. We just open the windows and mop up the dust. Exactly. So the free and simple tools that you can, can do are very helpful. But with the caveat of if you have mold growth in your home, if there is an active water damage situation and you can't or decide you don't want to deal with that issue, um, there's always the option of finding a safer, healthier home instead. So there is always another alternative to pivot your situation in the way that makes sense for you. Yeah. And these are the kinds of conversations that I have with my clients where we do discover mold in the home. We've done an army test that tells us that information and or they know already that there's active water damage. Those are the conversations of, okay, how much do you love this house? How much do you want to stay in this place? Do you love your landlord? Are they going to fix it? You know, those are the kinds of conversations we're having. And sometimes it's a really big decision because people do, in some cases, just like your case, decide to upheaval everything and move and deal with the belonging contamination and all of that stuff. So even though that sounds daunting, you're absolutely right. There's always a way that you can find a better situation than the one that you're in. And this is a really important reason to hire a building biologist. It's overwhelming. The amount of information can feel insurmountable. Uh, you might not, you know, know what to do next. And to have a guide who can give you all the options, who can help you get clear on your priorities, what I wouldn't have given seven years ago to have that experience. So healthy homes are complex, but it doesn't mean that your particular situation has to be hard. Everyone deserves to be at ease in their environment. And there is a way through, I promise. So good. So good. Abby, do you have any other questions? 
No, I think this is really helpful. I'm really excited to actually look up if I, there's any around me because because I've learned so much from Terea, I will be honest, I do have a paranoia of mold. And so I think it's good just to see what other resources are around and because I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, you know, I, I know, again, local people who have had mold and it's just something that's always like on my radar, but I've never really looked into a building biologist. So I'll be really curious if that's resources around me. And I just think it's really amazing that you decided to make the switch when you dealt with that, because it would have been really easy to just kind of turn in and maybe like, why me and poor me? And you decided to take this really unfortunate situation and make a really good impact with it. So I think that's really admirable too, and not something to understate. And I think it's really great that now you get to help people that are going to be in situations that you were in, and now you have that experience to help them out of that. Definitely. And I think it's great that we live in a time where, you know, online consultations are some, an option as well. Uh, a lot of people hire building biologists via online consultation because there's a lot you can do without even putting eyes on the home because, you know, those people live in their home. They can put their own eyes on their home and um, building biologists can help them trust their intuition to do so. So good. So I would love to know, this is something that we ask everybody when they come onto the podcast, what activity or aspect of being outside do you think most supported your health and wellness? Well, remember this, when we were working together at the very beginning, you always encouraged me to get outside and get a morning walk in or get morning light in my eyes, even if it was just for a few minutes. So I started there and I was just so sick, you know, and feeling so unwell, you know, going for an hour walk outside felt like impossible. Uh, so I just got outside for a few minutes every day. And that habit has stuck since for years and years, I've been getting my morning walks in, doing whatever I can, however much time I can during the morning. And that's the habit that has stuck the most. I will say I recently tried paddleboarding for the first time and I'm obsessed. <laughs> so that's, that's getting added to my outdoor activity list. <laughs> that's cool. I love it. I love it. And it's so wonderful to see the amount of change. I mean, I wish that we had, you know, a little bit of go back in timeness magic on the podcast a little bit because there is such a major transformation from the time you and I worked together seven years ago to where you are now. It's delightful for me to see. And I just celebrate you so much because there's been so much change and you're really turning this into not only an opportunity for you as a career and a profession, but also to help other people. You've kind of found this passion. And I loved what you said earlier, where you just stuck with, you know, following that fear until you figured it out. Amazing. So Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and telling us about what you're doing these days and learning about building biology and teaching us about building biology. And where can people find out more about you and do you have a website and, you know, when you're accredited and all this stuff is wrapped up, like how can they find out more about you? Definitely. My website is franklinhealthyhomes.com and you can find out all about building biology, me and what I can serve you with. I have online guides that will be coming out and um, packages for healthy homes and all sorts of good stuff. So you can find out more there. 
Awesome. We will definitely put that URL in the show notes for everybody. And thank you once again for coming on. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Terea and Evie. I appreciate you. So awesome. And I hope you can see why this is such a celebratory moment to see how far Rachel has come. And again, if you want to learn more about those kinds of things that could be hidden, that could be holding your health back, I want to remind you this free training that's coming up that I'm delivering on April 18th. You'll find the registration for that event in the show notes below. I'd love to see you there. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the wackest symptom game, start testing to get better guidance, you can find more about Terea at tereyarodriguez.com and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Want to peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our Optimized Wellness community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of TereaRodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside. See you outside.